So we began last week, the, uh, the Derek Hashem, really in this first parak, he's introducing us to something that um, it's almost ironic that we don't discuss much, uh, but that's our Creator, Hashem. Um, in other words, it's a little funny because we spend a tremendous amount of time learning about mitzvahs, learning about what we should do, but the focus, the focal point of all Avodah Hashem, and the Ramban explains the focal point of all mitzvahs, is to know Hashem. And ironically, we spend a incredibly minute amount of time actually trying to comprehend Hashem as much as we can. And uh, that's really not really the way it should be. So this first parak really <clears throat> deals with, with those concepts. So the first concept that we discussed last week was the, 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 first, pers- the first concept a person must know is that there's a Mosei Rishon Kadma Manitzki. There's a first entity who, Himtzi Umamsi Kolmashimtzimitzius, that Hashem created and maintains everything in creation. Okay, that's the first concept. Today, <coughs> we're going to deal with the second concept. And additionally, a person has to know that this entity, Hashem, His true essence will not be grasped, will not be understood by anyone else at all. This is the only thing we'll know, that he is shalim, he is complete, in all types of shalim, and he has no chesarin whatsoever. Now we're going to come back to this in a minute. I just want to read a little further to get a little bit of a heck of over here. <clears throat> but these things we do know from uh, from the Kabbalah, from Ovas and Vim, and the entire Jewish nation understood this at the foot of Harsinai, and they all understood its truth, in, in, in its reality, and they taught it to their children, to this day. Okay, now, we mentioned last week that there are three methods that a person comes to emuna. The first is the Masora. The Masora is the fact that three million people stood at Har Sinai, and they all heard Hashem say, Anuchel Hashem Al-Kecha. Now, for those of you folks who were paying attention to the uh, politics back in the day of the uh, recent elections, I've never seen anything as, as distinct like this in my life. My wife and I were on vacation, and um, we had the opportunity, although my son doesn't allow this to happen too often, but CNN was on for a little bit. Now, if you watch the difference between the CNN coverage and the Fox News coverage, you think you're watching totally diverse realities. It's like different, different plans. They can't even agree on what was said, what happened, what, you know. It's, it's, it's remarkable, the, the distinct and differences. At Har Sinai, every Jew understood with absolute clarity, they reached Nevoah. They reached a level of Nevoah of total understanding. And if you, if you want to understand what this means, it's really one of the most incredible pirushim. The Targum Unkelis, every time you'll see the word Vayera Hashem El Avram, Hashem appeared to Avram. Now when you translate that, it means like Hashem wasn't there, Hashem appeared, whoosh, I appeared, Hashem is now here. The Targum explains that word every time it says Vayar Hashem Avram, he, he translates as Isgale, Hashem revealed himself. Meaning, of course, Hashem was there. Hashem is always there. Any part of any particle of physicality exists because Hashem constantly keeps it in, phys- in existence. If Hashem would cease infusing energy into any part of the world, it would cease to be. So, what do you mean Hashem appeared? As if He wasn't there and He appeared? So, again, the Targum defines that word as Isgale, Hashem revealed Himself. 
And I believe what that means in plain simple language is Avram had a revelation. A revelation means Hashem is here. My problem is I'm blocked, I'm occluded. I don't see that. I don't perceive Hashem's presence because of the heavy cloak of physicality that I wear. I don't perceive it. But Avram Avinu saw, Hashem, was misga- Hashem revealed Himself. And Avram Avinu saw Hashem here as if I see this table. He saw Hashem with total clarity. Now every Jew at Marmad Harsina saw Hashem with that level of clarity. They each reached a level of Nevoah. And they reached total, absolute transcendence. They saw Hashem literally right there. And they told their children, told their children, told their children. And this is the Masorah, and this is one of the um, one of the bastions, one of the pillars of our Amuna system is Amuna, is um, is the Masorah. The second pillar is what the Rambam also often refers to, and that is Chakira, looking into the world, looking at the phenomenal sophistication, looking at the complexity, looking at the vastness. When you see a world that's so replete with wonder, with such incredible wisdom, you say the words, if this is the creation, what does it tell me about my creator? And that certainly is the second leg of coming to Muna, seeing the wisdom of Hashem's world, seeing the brilliance of the creation, and that is something that a person can focus on and truly understand from it. But there's a third leg of Amuna that we discussed last week, and it's the single, probably the strongest, and that is the intuitive understanding. You see, I began under Hashem's Kisei Kovod. Hashem took me from there, put me into this body, and there are things that intuitively, instinctively, I know. I know that jumping off a bridge will end badly. I know that getting hit by a car will not do, will not bode well for me. I've never gotten hit by a car, I've never fallen off a bridge, but I know these things with absolute total idea. So too, there are many things that instinctively and intuitively a person knows, one of which is that I was created by Hashem, Hashem is here. Now the problem is that it's blocked and it's occluded, but that instinctive knowledge, again, is the third level. So we have three legs, three pillars, Temuna, number one, the Masora, and number two, the... uh, the Chakira, meaning just delving into the wisdom of Hashem's world. And number three, the intuitive sense, the instinctive sense that we have. And again, this is what he explains here, that even though he says we're not going to spend a lot of time about the wisdom of Hashem's world, but if one delves into it, one can understand the world that way. And again, the intuitive is the third. Okay, now let's focus on what the um, what the Derech Hashem began with. He said that a person has to know that this Motsui no one will be able to fathom or understand Hashem. Okay? Now, the reason for that is really quite simple. The way that I relate to any object, the way that I understand anything, is by categorizing it, by comparing it to other items, by comparing it and contrasting it, and by its parameters, I can define it. So, for instance... If I have a heavy object, I know it's heavy because there are objects that are lighter, there are objects that are more heavy, so this is a pretty heavy object. If I have a tall object, I compare it to other objects, it's taller than some objects, shorter than some, and therefore I have a scale of measure, I have a frame of reference, and I can categorize things, and that's ultimately how you, how everything is identified down to the species, down to the genus, each Animals put into its category, each object is put into its category by comparing it to others and clearly understanding it. Here's the problem. Any frame of reference, any scale of measure 
that I'm aware of, that I know does not apply to Hashem. Hashem is limitless and boundless, beyond time, beyond space, beyond any definition, because Hashem has no guf, has no physicality. In Lodmusagov has no representation of physicality. There's nothing in this world that I have to compare Hashem to. I can't compare Hashem, I can't ask, is Hashem mighty, is Hashem weak, is Hashem tall, is Hashem... Because any definition that I'm going to use doesn't even begin to... Um, doesn't even begin to miss the mark. It's so off that it just totally, totally... I'll, I'll give you a marshal, I think, that well defines it. Um, imagine Hashem were to create a two-dimensional world, right? Imagine Hashem made a world that, that just had height and width, but no depth to it. So imagine Hashem made a whole world... And in this world, Hashem made stick figures. And yet stick figures in their two-dimensional world, doing whatever they do, they go to work, they do their, they buy, they shop, they grow treat, whatever they're doing in their world. In any case, two of these stick figures, one day are having conversation. And Stretch turns to Slim and says, Slim, wouldn't it be amazing if we could be fat, if we could have depth? And Stretch turns back to Slim and says, Slim, I told you, there's no such thing as depth. That's just a figment of your imagination. Meaning, because they exist in a two-dimensional world, there's no such concept of depth. It doesn't exist in their world. For them to perceive something like that, they have to totally step out of their frame of reference. In that sense, for us to, in any sense, perceive Hashem, we have to totally step out of any frame of reference, any scale of measure, anything that we're normally accustomed to gauging things, measuring things, hence it is impossible because it's clearly, um, it's not just beyond our pay scale. We don't have, we don't have the tools, we don't have the uh, mental capacity. We, 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 it's, um, ladies, do you know what I mean? In other words, it's, it's see, you watch know, it. You would start trying to compare it to something you're already out of bounds. Right. The minute you try to compare it to anything, it's here, I'll give you a very simple thing. Hashem is in all places at all times, right? Now, let's understand that. If I'm here, I'm here, but I'm not there. And if I'm there, I'm there, but I'm not here. I cannot be here and there at the same time. It's physically impossible. Yet Hashem is everywhere, all the time. Okay, now, if that doesn't trouble you, let's deal with something more basic. Hashem is here now, and Hashem is here in the 14th century, and Hashem is here in the 1st century, and in the 23rd century, and Hashem is throughout time. Time doesn't limit Hashem, time doesn't... I don't even understand what that means. How do you, how do you exist in two points in time? Even if you could tell me you exist in two physical points of existence, because you're very big maybe, but how do you exist in two points of time? You can't, it, it's physically impossible. Because um, you never die. In other words, but Hashem, you're just here the whole time. But, okay, so you're telling me that Hashem was there in 1400 and is here now, okay, fine. But that's not the, the concept of Hashem is above time. Um, here, let's... Um, <clears throat> You know, the famous philosophical question, if, if I have free will, how could Hashem know what I'm going to do? Right? Meaning, if I have free will, then I can choose what I'm going to do, and then Hashem can't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> and if Hashem knows what I'm going to do, then I don't have free will to do or not to do what I'm going to do. 
One more time? He saw the end of your movie. It was what? Hashem knows the end, ending of your movie. Okay, so, but again, let, let's... Deeper than that. Since he created you, mm-hmm. he knows you so well, he knows what you're going to choose. Okay, so that's Jimmy the Greek. My wife likes that approach. Jimmy the Greek was the betting... And back, I think it might have, I don't want to date myself, but I think it was the 50s. He used to be the odds maker in, in Las Vegas. He would, um, he would call Jimmy the Greek because he was a real good, he, he could bet the odds real good. So, you know, the approach is like, you know, you have a baby and you put a candy, you know, which way the baby's going to go because you're real smart. That's not your deal. That's the idea, and we could discuss it later how, why this isn't your deal. Hashem knows with absolute veracity, not like most likely, not probably. Hashem knows, but let's. I think in a minute when, when we hear that, like the definition, let's let's stop for a minute, and and I think I'll explain to you why this is. It's a reasonable question. Um, let's again. Let's come back to the question. If I have free will, then Hashem can't know what I'm going to do because right now at this moment I could choose. If I could choose this, or I could choose that, then I, I could choose, right? So how could Hashem know what I'm going to choose if I have free will? And if Hashem knows what I'm going to choose, then I can't possibly have free will. Now, in, there's an answer to this, and let's, let's get to that answer. Okay, <clears throat> let's start with the following. Bereshis bara elokim. Bereshis bara elokim means in the beginning Hashem created Shemayim Varetz. But the surno on that Pusik says something very, very telling. Bereshis Barlakim, Bereshis, in the beginning, in the beginning of time, at the first moment of time, Hashem created Shemayim Arts. There was no time before that moment. In the very first moment of time, Hashem created Shemayim Arts. That's how the Svorno learns that Pasuk in Bereshis. Now, let's ask the following question on the Svorno. Berega Rishon, the very first moment of time, Hashem created Shemayim Arts. First of all, uh, Hashem existed before He created the world, and Malachim existed, and all kinds of things existed. So, what do you mean, regular, what do you mean the first moment? It couldn't have been the first moment, because <clears throat> number one, Hashem existed before that, and <clears throat> number two, us, we know many the Torahs written two thousand generations before Maaseh So, the many things that happened before Hashem created the world. So, what do you mean regular, the very first moment? Okay, we hear the question. Okay. So let's deal with this question because I think it will help us understand why we cannot fathom Hashem. Let's begin with the following. <clears throat> Imagine that you had two malachim. We're having a conversation. The second day of creation, Hashem created all the malachim. And the second day, they're having a conversation. And one malach says to the other, you know, I heard Hashem's going to make a world. There's going to be fish and birds. And there's even going to be this huge, huge animal called an elephant. The other malach says to her, wow, what's an elephant? First mile says, it's huge, it's heavy. It probably weighs 14,000 pounds. Now that conversation never happened. Why? Because, you see, one malach can't describe the weight of an elephant before Hashem created the elephant because before there was physicality, there was no weight. Weight is a scale of measure. I can ask you, because we have a world of physical density and mass, I could ask you what it weighs. But before there was anything in physical existence, there was no measure called weight, because there's nothing to weigh. You couldn't, one malach couldn't ask the other how tall the giraffes are going to be before Hashem created them, because before Hashem made physicality, there was no height. There was nothing to measure, so there's no scale of measure. Weight is a scale of measure when you have mass. Height is a scale of measure when you have length. 
But if you don't have those entities, there's no scale of measure. Time is a scale of measure in a physical world. Anything in the physical world has a half-life, it has a shelf-life, it'll last for 5,000 years, two years. You take a cut of flour, put it in water, it'll last for a week. There's a half-life to it, there's a shelf-life, at a certain point it wilts and it's done. Anything in the physical world has time to it, has a certain lifespan to it, but it's only in the physical world that time exists. In the world of Ruchnius, time does not exist because there's nothing to measure. In the world of Ruchnius, things are, things exist. I think what the Sforn is saying is, because before Hashem made physicality, there was no time because there's nothing to measure. And time is only relevant when you have a physical world. If you don't have a physical world, there's nothing to measure in height, weight, or time, which is again just a measure of physicality. Okay, now what does this do for us? So let's come back to the question. How could Hashem know what I'm going to do and I still have free will? So really the answer to that is that Hashem is not bound by time. And let's sort of like play this out in a simple muscle because it'll make it more clear. So here we go. Imagine that I go into a time machine. Ruvain and I get into a time machine and we go five years forward into time. And at that point I see Ruvain pull out a gun and he goes to Shimon, I'm going to kill you. I say, don't do it. I'm going to do it. Don't do it. And he pulls out a gun. He shoots Shimon dead. Dead as a doornail. We get back in our time machine and we come back now to today. Okay. I say to Ruvain, why did you kill Shimon? I didn't kill him. I said, look at him, he's alive. I know you're going to kill him. Now, here's the point. I know with absolute certainty that he's going to kill Shimon because I have this time machine. I'm not subject to time. So I know what he's going to do. It's not I know what he's going to do. I know what he did because I'm not limited by time. I know what he did before he did it because I'm not constricted by time. You hear that? It's not that I know what he's going to do. I know what he did before he did it because I'm not constricted by time. If you imagine Hashem is above time, Hashem doesn't know the future. Hashem knows what I did before I did it because Hashem isn't limited by time. What am I saying? What? I, I, this actually, I, I understand this. Am I alone? When you say did, that's past tense. You mean right. he knows what he's going to do. I, Hashem knows what I did before I did it. Hashem can't know what I'm going to do because you're right, that would take away free will. But Hashem isn't limited by time. <clears throat> Hashem sees the future as if it's the past and, and isn't limited by our linear time scale. So it's like I go into my time machine, I see Ruvain shoot Shimon dead, and now I come back in time. I know what he did before he did it because, I, because I'm privy, I'm not limited by time. Yeah, he sees the future playing out, like big Shimon on top. And things are going on, and he sees what's going to happen. He sees what happened before it happened. He watched the movie. He watched the movie, right. That's the way of saying it. With a movie, you could, right, he watched the movie is a good way of of perceiving it. Well, he watched the movie before the movie came out. Literally. Isn't it also that, like, Hashem knows where the world needs to end up, and therefore, even with the Chira, the same things are going to happen later on because so that's a complex that's a complex issue how Hashem runs the world in a global sense but on a localized for me if I have Bechira how could Hashem know what I'm going to do and the answer is Hashem doesn't know what I'm going to do Hashem isn't limited by time so Hashem knows what I did before I did it because 
Hashem is there and here, something that's physically impossible. The point, it's, it's, do you understand how impossible it is? The minute I come into my body, I can no longer make sense of it because everything in my experience in time is linear. Yesterday was yesterday, today is today, and day before today. Everything progresses in a straight path. My entire existence is this way, but that's my existence in a physical plane. Hashem is not limited by that. Hashem is above time, beyond time. Hashem is in all places at all times. Hashem knows every thought, every moment as I'm thinking it. Meaning, like, yeah, you ever get... Um, I have ADHD, so I have difficulty living, listening to one person. But if you try to pay attention to two stimuli, two people speaking at the same time, if you, wonder if, you wonder if Hashem is smart? Just watch davening in a shul. Go to a shul and watch 200 people daven. And know that Hashem is listening to my conversation, knows my thoughts as I'm thinking, listening to this person's conversation, and knows their thought, the past and the past, listening to... 200 at the same time and there's a shul down a block, down the block there's a shul in another city and 7.5 billion people Hashem is involved in absolute consciousness, fully aware of every activity, all thoughts all de- it's definitely beyond our um, pay scale a little bit beyond our capacity but you see it's important every once in a while to, to think about this because it's a lot harder to ask questions on Hashem when I realize that I'm a little bit out of my, my league. In other words, I cannot in any sense perceive Hashem. I cannot in any sense understand Hashem because Hashem is limitless, boundless, beyond all, beyond physicality. In other words, meaning there's no size to Hashem because Hashem is limitless. If I say Hashem is very, very tall, I'm wrong. If, Hashem, if I say Hashem was around for, for eternity, that's also wrong. Hashem isn't limited by anything and therefore any definition doesn't even begin. All right, so do we at least have some things we understand? Beratius, the Sforno, we understand maybe the time machine, Mushal. This is very deep stuff, folks. i got to tell you, it's not, it's not um, casual, um, casual reading. But, okay, so let's proceed. So this is the problem that we face. And the problem that we face is it is very, very difficult for us to understand Hashem, very difficult to relate to Hashem, and yet everything we do is supposed to circle around that goal. I'm supposed to know Hashem. Again, as the Ramban says, the purpose of all mitzvahs is leida as Hashem, to know Hashem. So if I can't in any sense know Hashem, because everything that I experience is totally, uh, you know, I, there's no ability in any sense for me to categorize Hashem, to relate to Hashem, because Hashem is beyond any definition. Gee golly, I'm stuck. Okay, so... Before you throw in the towel, and well, you can't throw off yarmulkes, but before you throw in the towel, um, so number one, again, we have the Masora, and number two, we have Bechina, but let's really deal with the third element, because I think that's the most interesting one. And to do that, let's focus on a very interesting question. Um, excuse me for asking it this way, but um, who are you? Who are you? Sounds like the name of the song. Uh, wow, you're dating yourself. We don't admit to that era. Okay, so who are you is actually a very interesting question. I'll tell you why. Um, so, I don't, and I don't even mean in a physical sense. I want to show you something very interesting. Have you ever heard yourself think? Imagine like somebody, somebody says something. You're, somebody says something really nasty. And as, as they say the words... In your mind, you're saying, that's really a chutzpah. Why could that, why did that guy say that? Really, that was really audacious. That was really wrong. And you can kind of hear yourself thinking, 
Now isn't it interesting? I hear myself thinking. That's a little funny. Here, I'll give you a good exercise. I want you to think the, the following thoughts. <clears throat> this is like a really interesting shear. Think, think that in your mind. I want you to, as an exercise. This is a really interesting shear. Now, <clears throat> as you're doing that, do you notice that you're, you could hear yourself thinking it? You may even think like some cynical thoughts, like that's a chutzpah. What does he mean? He's telling me it's an interesting shear. You know, like, but do you notice there's like, um, not even two voices. <clears throat> there's a voice, and there's you listening to the voice. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Okay, what's going on? So we discussed last week the fact that my conscious mind is sometimes controlled by me, and many most of the time not controlled by me, but it's certainly not not every thought that I think is me, not every thought that, I, that crosses my conscious mind are things that are directed by me. Um, I'm the guy inside, and I have to think through this brain. But this is the point. I have to process through the brain. I receive visual input through my eyes. I receive audio input through my ears. I process it. It's processed through the brain. And I receive the stimuli through the thick, clunky thing called the... But it's I receive the stimuli. I'm the guy inside. And this is one of the most vital concepts that you have to understand. Let me explain to you what I mean in plain, simple terms. You ever have one of those moments, maybe it's Shabbos, maybe it's Rosh Hashanah, it's like a spiritual experience. And it's, it's like almost strange, because here I am, this physical entity, temporarily having this spiritual experience. Nothing could be further from the truth. I am not a physical entity temporarily having a spiritual experience. I am a spiritual entity temporarily having a physical experience called life. I, the one inside, the one who thinks, the one who remembers, the one who feels, I was taken from under Sam's Kisei covered, put into this body, and in this body I temporarily have to clunk around in this heavy mechanism called a body, think through a brain, but it's I who perceive, I who think, and I who process this stuff, and when you hear your brain speaking, and you have metacognition, and you sort of like step outside and say, who's talking? What you're doing is you're beginning to realize, I'm not the brain, I'm not the body, I'm not the brain, I'm the guy inside, I'm the... Okay, so who am I? I am 100% Ruchni, temporarily put into a body, and temporarily put into this, into this entity called life, but I'm not the body, I'm not the arms, not the head, not the chest, not the legs, I'm the guy inside, I am completely Ruchni. Now, would you like to know exactly what I mean? Has anyone... Um, okay, folks, we're old enough to, to do this. Um, does anyone here remember their bas mitzvah? Yeah. yeah. I am no longer 39. I clearly remember my bar mitzvah. I'm there. It wasn't long ago. That's a little strange, because I have a granddaughter who's going to be bas mitzvah very shortly. So clearly it was, must have been a while ago. Now here's the interesting thing. <coughs> concentration camp survivors, there was almost this refrain that they often would say, the days take forever, but the months pass like nothing. There's an illusion of time that's very, very strange. In the moment right now, time seems to take forever. But when you look back, months, years fly by like they were... Now, isn't it a strange illusion? So I'd like to share with you, it's not a strange illusion 
it's an illusion. You see, time doesn't really impact me. Time is something that affects me as long as I'm currently in this body, currently in this thing called life, but I was designed, created to live for eternity. And the reason why time is so illusionary and so funny and so tricky is because it really doesn't apply to me in a real way. The reason why I could look back at 20 years ago and look like it was yesterday, or 40 years ago and look like it was yesterday, is because it's true. I am the same person, I was there, I'm here, and this linear illusion called time really doesn't apply to me. Okay, where are we headed with all this? This is the most important step you could ever imagine. If you think it's difficult to relate to Hashem, it's only difficult if you think you're a body. You see, if I'm a body, I can't relate to Hashem because Hashem is limitless, boundless, beyond, so I can't in any sense relate to Hashem. But the minute you realize I'm not physical, I am utterly, completely ruchni, and suddenly it's very, very easy to relate to Hashem. And I'll give you a very simple Musr exercise. The next time you daven, close your eyes and ask yourself, what are you doing? You're speaking to God. Now, Mesut Sharm explains, he says, even though all of my senses deny Hashem's presence, I relate to this world with my five senses. I see, I touch, I feel. All of my five senses deny Hashem's existence. I can't smell Hashem, I can't feel Hashem, I can't see Hashem. So all of my bodily input denies Hashem's existence. And to actually daven, what I have to do is I have to close my eyes and transcend. I have to step away from this illusion called the physical world and recognize that Hashem is right here. And by the way, that's how the Mishra describes Tila. He says this davening is having a conversation. He says, literally, like I'm speaking to my friend, my friend is here. He may respond, he may not, but I'm speaking to him right here. It says the Mishra Zuhi Tila, that is davening. Speaking to Hashem, the creator of the heavens and the earth, right here. But it requires shutting off all of my sensory input, all of my physical <coughs> relations to the world, anything. You see, ladies, all day long, we are constantly being bombarded by two opposing sets, sets of stimuli. My body and me. My body all day long tells me this world is concrete, this world is forever, <coughs> all that's here is here, Ruchnius doesn't exist, and the only thing that exists are things that my eye sees, that I could feel, and nothing else exists. And that part of me doesn't see Hashem, doesn't see Hashem running the world, doesn't relate to Hashem in any, any sense. The problem is that that sense is actually, it feels so concrete, but it's illusionary. The reality that I also know is that Hashem is the creator, Hashem is here, everything in the physical world is irrelevant and doesn't really impact things because Hashem is keeping everything in existence and guiding everything. So constantly, all day long, I'm receiving two, like... I'm receiving input from two different wavelengths, the physical body and my neshama, and they're contradictory. And the goal in life is to allow the body's input to become weaker and weaker, and allow your neshama to see things more and more. And again, probably the single greatest exercise that you could do in this is tefillah. Because davening is an expression of relating to Hashem right here, speaking to Hashem, and again, cutting through the haze, cutting through the, the smoke and the mirrors, cutting through all the layers of physicality, and speaking to Hashem right here, and just relating to Hashem as present. Um, 
Do I know what I'm talking about? I understand what you're talking about, but, but I'm not good at it. <laughs> to put it mildly. Okay, <clears throat> you're not good at meaning what, a, t- a tefillah, a dominant or... A, yeah, like I, I, when I try to dive in, like my brain is, you know, talking about ADD, you know? <clears throat> Okay, so that's why you have to speak out the words because it, it becomes a process. And, and also right now, I, I started to ask my wife, I started this new shtick, I down by Stalin. Why did I down by Stalin? Because they scream. They scream. You imagine a room with 200 men screaming out. It's, it's, a, it's a, a, I can't describe dominating. You know, sometimes you go to these mignon and it feels like a library. Shh. Uh, come on, how can you, you know? So it's good to speak out loud. It's good to, you know, um, nigan also helps, but because you have to keep your brain on. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to transcend. That dominating is. It's the single greatest spiritual activity that you'll do. You're speaking to Hashem. Learning Torah is Hashem speaking to you. You're infusing your neshama with Kedusha. Tefillah is the opposite. You're speaking to Hashem. You're relating to Hashem. You're transcending physicality. You're, you're rising above the physical limits. But again, what you're doing is you're tapping into the, the I, who am totally Ruchni, speaking to Hashem, who's right here, and you're you're transcending all physical bounds. You're you're going beyond anything in this physical in this physical world. Um, again, let me ask the question: Do I know what I'm talking? About? I mean, I I know what I'm talking about. Am I alone in thinking that I know what I'm referring to over here? It's important to recognize that Phil is not only taking a sitter and davening because you can speak to Hashem without the sitter. You could express yourself, the first pillar is the Mesorah. Hashem told three million people at Sinai. Second pillar is Bechina, seeing the brilliance of Hashem in the world. The third pillar is things that instinctively, intuitively I know. If you really want to understand Hashem on any level, it's the third where the real action is at. Why? Because you see, the Mesorah is very powerful and very important. I know it, and, and I've been told it. And Bechina is very good because when you study this creation, it's, ins- it's astonishing. And, and you should find a Chiddush every day in the Bria. That's the Chavazolva's recommendation. And again, if you study any part of this world, you see complexity, you see vastness, you see systems. You just mind-boggling. And you see the brilliance of your Creator. But you're still like miles and miles away. And when you tap into the third pillar, it becomes so much more real because it's, it's things that I know but I just have to stop my body from tricking me, from fooling me. Because, again, all day long I'm getting the input from my body that this world is real, tactile is, is where it's at, and concrete. But, my, but I know things intuitively, instinctively, that are way, way beyond this. So let's begin with the first thing I know. I know that something strange is going on inside me. Because my brain is talking and I can listen to my brain. How can I listen to my brain? I thought I am the brain. If I hear myself talking, if I hear the words, you know, in my brain saying, what kind of chutzpah that guy do that? He should be... So how could I hear 
the words. Like, yeah, here, you ever go into, into a social setting and suddenly there's a thought that goes across your brain, should I say this, should I say this, is the right thing, is the wrong, the wrong thing? And you can actually hear yourself doing the chatter. Now, how could you hear yourself do the chatter? You are, you are the thoughts, no? The answer is no, you're not the thoughts. <clears throat> you're the one who, you know, you have to view, as we, last week's muscle, you have that computer, the five school-age kids, whoever gets control of the keyboard gets control of the screen, but all five kids have to watch the, the screen. <clears throat> you're the guy inside, you're the person inside, what goes across your conscious mind, it depends. Sometimes anger gets a hold, sometimes desire, sometimes jealousy, and it'll take over the screen. You've got to watch it because you're the one inside. But on occasions, you actually get control. But again, it's you. You're not physical. You're not the brain. You know, by the way, ladies, um, for those who um, do taharas, right, the body is put in the ground, right? Now, including, I've never done this, but I'm pretty sure that included in the body is the brain, if you ever go to an autopsy, before they bury the body, they make sure the brain is intact. There's a brain. So that's, what do you mean I live on after I'm dead? The body's dead and the brain is dead. The brain's in the kever, covered up by dirt. What do you mean I live on? Aren't I the brain? The intelligence is roughly. But my brain is in the kever. My brain, my, I think through my brain. Everything, I'm just my brain. Aren't I my brain? And I've learned with you enough to know that I'm not allowed to see my neshama. Right. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Um, right, you hear the question? Again, I get it. I'm not the body. I'm not the leg. I'm not the head. I'm not the, I got all that good. But I'm the brain, obviously. That, that's me. I'm thinking that that's the brain. But here's the problem. The brain is buried with the body. Because the brain is simply a physical representation of those concepts while we were on a physical... On a physical plane. When we leave the physical plane, then it doesn't need that physical representation. Right, the brain is the computer that I... Again, let's go back to that muscle. I think it's very important muscle. Five, uh, five school-age kids eating dinner. As soon as dinner's over, they all vie for the one family computer. Now, depending on which child gets control of the keyboard, will determine what shows across the screen. If one kid wants to play, a, wants to play a game, they're all going to watch the game. If one kid wants to do his math homework, they're all going to watch the math homework. But one child has control of the keyboard. All five children watch the screen. So the machine I call the brain is the computer that I think through. I temporarily have to process things through it. I temporarily, now sometimes I have control of it, sometimes anger gets in control, sometimes jealousy, and sometimes different, th- depending on who gets control of the keyboard, will determine who gets control of the conscious mind. But the point is that the conscious mind, the brain, is just a, like a computer that, that processes stuff, but it's I think through the brain. Like, wait, a minute, let me think, let me think about that one second. No, let, let me, let, let me per- think through my brain process that information, sort of contemplate it, but it's I who control the brain, or don't control the brain. I who think I am not the brain. The brain is a clunky, very sluggish. You ever have like an intuitive thought, you just know instinctively, boom. And then you have to think, let me, th- say, let me think that through. Let me, let me sort of process that. That's an example where I know things, I, I know it. I, the one inside, I, the one who control the body, I the one who most of the time control the body, control the brain, I am the one who lives on. The body's put in the 
brave, including the brain, and I separate. Who am I? I'm the one who thinks, I'm the one who remembers, I'm the one who made the decision, I'm the one who willed it, but didn't will it. I'm the guy inside, but I'm not the brain. Anyway, don't we always say that, that the I who is inside is actually a part of Hashem? So if we're saying that that part is limitless as well, <coughs> then, you know, it's... I don't, I don't know what that means. As we get more into Derech Hashem, you'll also won't know what it means. <laughs> but but it, it's definitely true that I, who am talking to you, the Neshama, is, is spiritual, completely ruchni, not physical. Um, everything is apart from Hashem. Every, nothing exists without Hashem keeping, keeping it totally in existence at all times. So okay, the, then it would be a way to understand, like if we say Hashem is limitless, and even when we say that Hashem is getting angry, that's just how we perceive what you know what's going on that we could also that's a reason why you can also like separate within yourself that when you have a negative thought or an angry <coughs> say anger takes over jealousy takes over if that's not a part of our of the essence of who we really are then mm-hmm. it makes sense to separate that from there if we're saying that it is a part of Hashem well even if it's not a part of Hashem it makes sense to separate because it's not I mean whatever that concept means it's it's separate in other words meaning I, um, anyone here, ladies don't get drunk often, but um, when you get drunk, you feel differently than you normally feel. You, 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 you're, or nitrous oxide. I'm sorry. Nitrous oxide. Oh, you go, 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 go. You go to the dentist in the good old days, right? You go to. Yeah, you still get it. Now, you're not sharp. You're not alert. You're just not. Well, let's say you're you're very very tired. Right, you get a horrible night's sleep last night. Right, you're you're like sluggish, and so what does it mean? It means that right now I'm in this body, and this body I have to think through it, I have to process through it, and I'm sluggish and and, and being held down. And I, the next day I get a good night's sleep, and I wake up, boom, I'm wide awake and alert because the present existence that I have in this body is now more alert, more acute. But all of it is not, um, those are things that affect me. So if I'm hungry, I'll be short. If I'm angry, I'll react one way. But again, those are, those are physical, in other words, you see, again, I'm, I'm two parts. There's a nefesh of Bahami and a nefesh of Sikhli. There's a pure neshama mixed in with a, all the nefesh of, of the behemoth, and those two interplay. So at any given time, I'm going to have different parts, pulling different parts, um, demanding different parts, trying to gain primacy, um, and I am in this ever mixed state. Um, am I confusing the point further? So here's here's the point that I'm trying to get to. The the third element of relating to Hashem, because relating to Hashem intuitively, instinctively, is the most powerful because it's the um, it's. It's the one that really works the best. It's the most effective. It's the, it's where the real action's at because it's me. In other words, if I could strip away all of the externals and strip away all of the temporary stuff, I am an neshama. I'm eternal. I am ruchni, and I can relate to Hashem directly, completely, because I fully, fully relate to my Creator, because we're of the same, almost the same stuff. Not quite. But almost, we're ruchni, and and that's why time is kind of funny, and that's why physical entities pass very quickly. Um, have you ever had a pleasure that lasted more than twenty minutes? 
you know, the greatest pleasure in the world, you ate a phenomenal meal, or whatever. Everything passes. It's all anything in this physical world passes and is and is and, and leaves you leaves me as empty as I was before because it, it doesn't it doesn't fill me. It's not it doesn't talk to me. It's not me. And when you like the more you think about this stuff, the more you're able to relate to Hashem directly. And again, tefillah is probably the greatest exercise in this and because what tefillah is doing is totally cutting beyond any physical limitation, transcending the the body, transcending all the input of the body, and speaking to Hashem <coughs> directly. Um, so <coughs> the punchline is that it's true, and is what the Derech Hashem is saying, that it, it is impossible for a human being to fully comprehend Hashem on any level as long as we are in this body. But <coughs> the work and much of our avodas Hashem is to try to transcend that, to stop the input to stop listening to the input of our body, of our senses, and train ourselves to be much more tuned to the input of our neshama, <clears throat> so I can relate to Hashem totally, completely right there, and relate to Hashem in a very concrete, real way. Okay, Do, is this somewhat clear, somewhat muddled, somewhat... Um... I'm going to turn to the, to the... Who has questions? Ladies... Anyway, raise your hands if you have questions here. I have everybody quiet here. That's a Rebbe, bad... Rebbe asked, who am I? Right. So how does this go? I am the unique impact that I create in existence. Um, am I allowed to be honest? Please? No. Why? I am me. That's it. You, you're not the. How do you know what me is? You are you. You're not the body. You're not the arms. Not you are. You're the one who. When your body's put in the ground, you exist forever. Right. You, you with your feelings, your memories, your <coughs> recognitions, even some of your preferences. Not not preferences like I like a red couch. I like blue. But your, in other words, what you made yourself into. All of your decisions. All of your thoughts shaped you into something that you are forever. Who is that person? It's you. In other words, when you speak to a person on the telephone, you could have a real you could have a real relationship with somebody for twenty years on the phone and know them very well and not have any clue to what they look like. You could um how can you how can you, you know, I never saw their body. Yeah, but I know who the person is. I, I know them. How do you know them? Because you know them. You don't know the you know yeah, let's see if this will work. Dean, you have the floor. I'm sorry. This is. Let me see if I can hear this. Person, that's my impact. I'm sorry. Just, I'm sorry. One second. Dean, you have the floor. Go ahead, please. All right. Thank you, Mister. So I always felt that, like, I could, I can understand the concept of not understanding Hashem, just as I understand that there's a concept quantum physics and I don't understand it and that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist and it's not true and I just don't know what that means. Okay. So too, there's Hashem and I get it but I don't get it. Okay, you're right. And the truth is, it wouldn't be the end of the world if you just said, I don't understand Hashem and I don't understand what I don't understand and, and it's okay. I think the goal here is to understand what we don't understand so that we can understand. In other words, meaning... You know, if you study physics for 20 years, 
you can begin to understand the brilliance of Einstein. If you just say, you know, I, I, I didn't study, you know, I, I, I checked out of the course altogether, you don't even understand what you don't understand. Meaning, when, you, when you're able to delve into the fact that anything in our frame of reference doesn't define Hashem, doesn't limit Hashem, you begin to get a much broader sense of Hashem's greatness, Hashem's magnitude, and it changes your understanding of Hashem. So I don't think it's sufficient to just say, well, I can't understand Hashem and, and leave it at that. I think it's important to sort of expand our understanding of what it is that I don't understand. <clears throat> what I don't understand is, because since I'm temporarily thinking through my physical existence, since half of my stimuli or more than that, all of my physical stimuli come to me from the physical world, it denies Hashem's existence, and everything in this reality doesn't allow me to understand Hashem. So automatically what I have to do is I have to recognize that Hashem is beyond any limits, beyond anything physical, beyond anything I could perceive, and suddenly I have a much broader sense and a much greater understanding of the greatness of Hashem. Sometimes. Right, but we can't understand it beyond that. Right, but but that's a big difference. We just again, if I spend twenty years studying physics and I say I don't understand Einstein's theory, that's a very different not understanding than if I just say I don't get it. You know, I don't understand what he's talking about. You know what I'm saying? So, and and the reason why it's important is because again, ultimately we want to understand Hashem as much as we can, and ultimately it's intuitive when I'm able to tap into me. Me, not the body, but me, the one inside, me, the neshama, when I'm able to fully tap into that, then it's a lot more intuitive. And again, it changes all of my avodas Hashem. I'm in a, I'm in a totally different plane. I'm no longer this physical, clunky animal. I'm like, I'm a, a ruchni being. And once I start relating to myself as a ruchni, as a spiritual entity, I relate to Hashem differently. I relate to Shabbos differently. I relate to, relate to kosher differently. Meaning, if I, watch, once I understand that I'm spiritual, Kosher means a whole lot. Wait a minute, that that's metamting my. It damages me. It 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 affects me. Now, if I put on tefillin, I'm going to be. What do you mean? I'm going to be different. What are my muscles going to grow bigger? I, no, I'm going to change. It changes. You see, if I'm a physical entity, then mitzvahs don't really have much to do with me. Once I understand that I'm not a physical entity, I'm a spiritual entity. Then everything in the spiritual realm is much more relevant, mitzvahs are much more relevant, what is Hashem is much more relevant, what I do is much more relevant, and eventually as we get more and more into the Derech Hashem, we'll see that the effects that I have on the world are much greater, well beyond anything I can perceive, but again, it's only once I step out of my physical limitations that I could understand that. Did I talk long enough that you forgot what you were saying? And, and uh, just uh, this is a typical politician <laughs> answer, right? Talk and talk and talk and... Uh, Right. Thank you. Would, okay. you. would you say that by learning more Torah, you can connect to Hashem that way and really get a grasp on what Hashem is like? Okay, yes. For lack of a better word? 100%. So what learning Torah does is spiritually elevates me. What all mitzvahs do is spiritually elevates me. Torah happens to be the thoughts of Hashem, so it's the most uh, potent dosages of it. But any mitzvah in all of Odos Hashem spiritually elevates me, so that in the battle, the, the body has less sway, less control. I'm able to perceive things on a deeper level, and I can relate to Hashem on a much, much greater level. Okay, all right, thank you. Sure, okay. Okay, any other questions? Anyone, please feel free to raise your hand if you're here live. First, the live gets Kadima. The one thing that no, we don't answer is anyone who's in Muncie and sh- shows up on the Zoom. 
And I mean, today we don't have that. Last week we had that. That's like uh uh-uh. uh. That's a uh uh-uh. uh. That's a no no. That's a big no no. Um, <coughs> right. Um, <coughs> any questions, thoughts, observations? Yeah. Like, Rabbi, what are you talking about? No, no, no. Previously, you talked about after, you know, the 100 sunset when we go to Old Hemis, that, um, I don't remember exactly how you worded it, but like, the fog <laughs> lifts and we become a greater person. The fog lifts and I get it. I see Hashem, I understand the values. And instantly, like a brilliant sun at midday, I understand everything. I understand why I was here. I understand the value of mitzvahs. I understand the damage of every avera. Instantly, the f- fog is lifted, and I get it. I, so the me that's here <clears throat> is actually greater than the me that's here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right now, I'm blocked. I'm occluded. I'm covered up. And 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 we're going to get, especially in Derek Hashem, is going to explain that much of the work that we do, the minute I leave, whoosh, I fill in. And I, you know, I fill in that shadow, man. We'll get to that by... Well, hopefully we get to Paragimel. We're going to get a while to go there. But, uh, right. <clears throat> and it was right now, I'm blocked, and I can't feel, and I can't sense the growth that I do, because, again, I'm housed in this body, and it, it limits me and stops me from growing. Um, <clears throat> okay. Thoughts, observations? For or against? What does it have to do with the price of beans in South Afghanistan, right? What is this? How does this help the service? Do you... Do you hear the stuff, ladies? Am I am I alone in this? This is uh, it's very very. I will say that I think I understand it better now since I've heard you discuss these concepts in the past. Right, because it's a little esoteric. That it has to sink in level by level. Again, the first concept that I got to get straight in my brain is that I'm not the body. That it's like the biggest. Um, that's the aha moment when you get it that I am a spiritual entity temporarily having a physical experience, that is the aha moment when you change your life. Because suddenly, I, I, wait a minute, I get, you see, watch, I'm, I'm a body, that's all I am. I'm just so, I got to, eating is very important, and sleeping is very important, how much money I make is very important, and my honor is very important, and my home is very, all these things are very, very important. Because first of all, I'm going to live forever, you know, in, in this world, and, and second of all, and this is what really matters, and, and, and it's really, really important. Once I'm able to like say, wait a minute, first of all, I'm not going to live forever in this physical body. Nobody does anyway. And more than that, this is just a temporary housing, and, and, and it's not me. I'm just in this for a little bit. I'm just suddenly, like I have a whole different... Whole also what allows us to be able to dive in and have a relationship with Hashem is that we are not a physical thing, we're also a, we are a spiritual being. Right, that's exactly what allows me to dive and allows me to, to relate to Hashem, to relate to... Exactly. That I'm not the body, I'm just the person in... I'm, I'm the guy in the body, I'm not the body. All right, good. No, the brain is dead. The brain is buried. Intelligence. Uh, I. Not my. Not my impact on the world. Not my uh, thing. Not my. It's I. See, in I. Who am I speaking to? Who? Who am I speaking to? I'm sorry. Rachel. I'm speaking to you. Uh, you have a label, right? No, right now you have a label. Your, your name is a label, right? You live on forever. No, I don't. 
So, th- so then, you're, then you're answering my question. I live on forever. After the body dies, right. there's something there that can think. You. That can rationalize. Not, can, not limited by your, bo- by your brain. Your brain is, is slow and clunky. And it, we it's more to think or rationalize, you have to be also limited by thought. But if you know, when you're in your body, when you're outside your body, you kind of see, you know, everything. You have that wisdom. You don't have, they're not limited by what your okay. experiences are here. What happens when you sleep? Good. What happens? You go up there. And you have a, you know, a bit of, um, like, sleep is what, a 60th of death? Okay, so I, actually, this is a good plug for the... Um, I, I have to plug the book, the, the new book, but Stop Surviving, Start Living. If these concepts are foreign and don't make sense, I highly recommend pick up a copy of Stop Surviving, Start Living. Um, it's, it's really... I think it'll help gel. We spent... How many years do we spend going through Mr. Sharma? It was How many years was this year before this? More than two years. It was, uh, whatever. It took us a long time to go through it. But... Um, these concepts. Finished, COVID kinda, what? Yeah, COVID kind of ended that. Kind of COVID, yeah. <laughs> COVID, yeah. But we went through. We spent a lot of time on these concepts, and and it takes a while. But stop surviving is very, um, very important. And I got to plug this. I got to let everybody know. Imus Hashem Chanukah, the ten really dumb mistakes the very smart couples make, is coming out. Um, it is going to be out there in Hashem in the stores. It'll be out there on the Shmuz site. So, this so wait. This is the winning format. How do you like it? Isn't it pretty? This is, this is the final soft cover. The hard cover is in Ukraine. In the Ukraine. Why? You can't get paper anywhere. Israel, forget about it. China, forget about it. I have to go to the Ukraine to print it. And that's what will be here, Mr. Shemchanaka. Okay, very good. All right. So thank you very much. And uh, I'm going to end the Zoom. Thank you for listening. And much, much atzlacha.